19th of December. I'm Randy Couray. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at What's Up Podcast. Thank you so much for the download. Hope you and yours are doing well. On today's episode, will the NHL be taking part in the 22 Beijing Olympics? The games are a mere 47 days away. The Women's Tennis Association is removing all events held in China after the disappearance of tennis player Peng Shuai. In a surprising move, Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets is no longer. Maurice submitted his resignation to the surprise of many. And in rapid fire, amongst other questions, Kyle Lowry will be retiring as a Toronto Raptor, albeit for one day. Joining me on today's episode, two fellow adversaries in a fantasy hockey league the three of us are taking part in and are gracious to make a return to the podcast once again. Chris Caribs is here. Chris, how are you? Thanks for ha- thanks for having me, Randy. Great, uh, great to have uh, be here once again and uh, share some thoughts. Thanks. No, my pleasure. And as well is Rob Yakabuchi. Rob, what's going on? Pretty good. Thanks for the reinvite, Andrew. Uh, Randy, appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I mean, uh, hey, look, we had. Uh, fi- Decided to do a podcast for a couple of weeks and we had a a lineup going, but pretty much the entire lineup had been overhauled because uh, the sports world just continues to move at such a rapid pace. Uh, You know, thinking that we were going to lead with the NHL and uh, the Beijing Olympics, we'll definitely get to that. But, uh, you know, these days, uh, you know, the big talk is about all these uh, games in various leagues being postponed. Four games tonight have been cut uh, in the NHL, including the first uh, visit to Seattle for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Three games in the NBA are being rescheduled. Uh, The Raptors game uh, last night against Golden State uh, was held under 50% capacity uh, at their venue, Scotiabank Arena. Um, Chris, uh, is this a sign of things to come uh, for the uh, following weeks with more games to be postponed, perhaps less uh, uh, capacity at venues. What do you think? Well, I think, uh, thanks for the question, Randy. I think the, the issue that we have now is the dynamics behind different protocols, like whether we're playing in the United States or whether we're playing in Canada, first of all. Um, and then, of course, you have the various sports, like the two NBA games that got postponed today were on the basis that there weren't enough players available. Because uh, roster sizes are so small. Uh, and then even if we go back to hockey, you have the dynamics behind the salary cap uh, getting in the way of possibly having some players get called up to replace those that are out, right? Um, and with the new Omicron, you know, it's going through teams really quickly, you know, various NFL teams. So we have all these NHL and NBA games that are being canceled. 
uh, NFL games are being pushed a day or two and they're getting 20 plus cases of COVID. Uh, so, you know, obviously uh, the, each of the leagues has their different setup. Uh, I know the NFL's protocols in place right now. Uh, other leagues may try to adopt it, but they're in place right now that they can keep going. Uh, but in reality, is the NHL just trying to get all these games in in this next week before the break? Or at some point in time, do they need to say, you know, we need to pull the plug? Well, and uh, I mean, obviously the timing couldn't be any worse uh, with the Christmas break, as you mentioned, and Beijing, uh, you know, a couple a few weeks away. Uh, but, you know, Rob, I, I don't know if you have been to a match, uh, a sporting match uh, since the pandemic started. I, for one, have been not only within the uh, uh, greater Toronto area, but uh, as well in the United States. Uh I definitely think that uh, stadiums and arenas could have enforced the mask mandate more so. The, uh, a lot of the uh, venues that I went to did ask for proof of vaccination, but once you got into the uh, stadium, uh, it was more of a crapshoot whether they were wearing the mask more efficiently. I guess the first question, uh, have you been to a, a game uh, in the past 20 months? And uh, do you think that, arenas and stadiums could have been uh, more diligent. So I haven't been, and this is one of the main reasons to be honest with you. Like I, I don't know, like these days, I feel like all these sports leagues, it's such a made for TV product. Like my viewing experience hasn't really dipped much. Like you can kind of still in, enjoy it as much as you ever could have from home. And I don't know, the desire to go just wasn't as much. I mean, that's a lot of the reason I think for it. Like I haven't, you know, I, it also doesn't help a lot of the teams I support aren't in the market I live in. And, you know, I'm not necessarily going to like, you know, fly to Italy and watch a Milan game or go to Indianapolis and watch a Colts game or, or, you know, drive to Montreal and watch a Habs game. So a lot of what's going on there is uh, like my fandom might be a part of that. Maybe that's probably just part of the reason, but I, I saw, I think for the Raptors game last night, weren't they like, and they have like a policy with like if your mask was down or something, they like were kicking people out of the building or something like that. Yeah, so I heard it was. A I two, guess they're trying strikes. to improve that, but the whole. Yeah, so if they're doing that, I don't. That that might be a step in the right direction in terms of things like that. But beforehand, like I, I'd seen like from TV, like the complete just lack of any sort of enforcement, and that probably maybe went a little bit into my decision making. So I, I haven't really been to one yet, honestly, since. Uh, uh, you know, I don't even remember what the last event was, but it was, you know, either early 2020 or late 2019. So nothing for me. Yeah. I mean, Chris, like everybody is just so tired of COVID. Omicron, however, mm. uh, appears to be uh, more contagious than Delta and the other strains that have taken place. Like, are, what is your thinking? What is your mindset? Like, do you think that at some point everyone will be getting this illness at some point. I mean, I hate to bring it, take it away from a sporting aspect, but I mean, yeah. this is such a wild time that we are living with. Yeah. Living in yeah, right now. I think, I think that's the biggest thing is, is we're looking at variants in place and the protocols. So what's going to stop another variant from coming in more protocols. And it's almost like we're playing ping pong with the rules. Uh, is another lockdown really going to help us? Uh, and then we also look at it from the mental health angle, you know, myself being in education, you know, you look at it, how the effects these kids being at home all the time online and it affects their education. Um, and even, like I said, I hadn't been to actually a live sporting event uh, upscale, but I know 
with the indoor process, it was mandatory vaccinations. Both my daughters are in, are in rep soccer. Uh, we just got canceled this weekend uh, until the new year and to see what happens. But you recognize that, you know, being able to live your life and do things um, is, are we in a process? We're just going to run the process and everybody's going to eventually get it. Uh, Cause there are those people that believe that, or is it one of those things because of the way they're sort of going halfway through the protocols or going halfway to lockdown, are we going to ever get to the stance where the next variant's not going to shut everything down again? Right. Cause there's a, the, the train of thought is, is everybody just get vaccinated and, you take your necessary precautions and the protocols are less deep and people can live their life. Right. So it's, it's, it's a hard way of looking at things, but I think just looking at it from uh, getting involved in the community and people getting to do what they do best and getting to do activities. It's the biggest toll I see it's taking is on the kids and our youth. Well, yeah, these formative years, especially uh, for, uh, for kids, school age kids and, uh, you know, you have to wonder what those uh, long-term uh, effects could potentially be. Uh, uh, that said, uh, you know, for uh, the three of us living in the province of Ontario, an indoor uh, 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 venues are uh, being asked to hold at 50%. For a guy who did buy tickets for the uh, Canada-USA soccer match, which will be outdoors, which will be uh, in Hamilton at the end of January, wonder what the uh, scenario will be for that venue uh, and that being, uh, what, eight weeks away. So very, very interesting time. So uh, guys, why don't we talk about uh, the sport that the three of us are so heavily involved in? Of course, that being uh, the NHL, uh, heavily involved in, a, of course, a fantasy league uh, perspective. But as a fan perspective, uh, the big talk is about uh, the Beijing Olympics. Will uh, NHL participation take place? Uh, this thing is just so fluid right now. Uh, it, I, for one, don't see this thing happening. Uh, Rob, how about to you first? Uh, do you think that NHL participation is going to happen? Not a chance. Every day, I think less and less it's going to happen. Um, I was already a little skeptical before anything was even quote unquote I guess, going wrong, but every day less and less. I, I think the only way they go at this point is some incredibly strict regimented, like we're not going to have to do quarantine, even if there's a positive case on somebody. Like It's going to have to be so many rules. And I don't think the Chinese government's going to let that even happen. They'll just say, no, here are our rules. You got to take them. So I really don't see it happening. I know it's a player's decision. I believe that the decision to go that they bargained for in the CBA was that the ultimate decision is with the players. And I don't think a lot of players want to be stuck there potentially. I don't think they want... Well, I actually correct this. I think more of the Europe, it seems like Europeans kind of care more about the Olympics than North Americans anyway. Uh, so I don't think it'll happen if under the current circumstances, I the, the risks of like the quarantine or anything possibly happening on the way back is just going to be such a disincentive. And even though I know technically, I guess the owners aren't allowed to pressure them on this because they did give them the right to choose. I think the players are just going to say no at the end of the day. It's funny you say that because I, I thought I heard the complete opposite. Like, Hearing, hearing Zach Hyman of the uh, Edmonton Oilers, the uh, it's reported that he said that, hell yeah, that he still wants to go. Uh, and uh, the outcry does seem uh, to be that even uh, North American uh, players 
despite the possibility of contracting COVID and being held up in China for a reported three to five weeks may uh, be the case. Uh, Chris, why do you think NHL players are so keen on participating in the Olympics? Well, I think just carrying off what you just said about Zach Hyman, uh, there's a perfect example. He's an individual uh, that just coming off a career career couple of years, signed a big contract, uh, and he's in a perfect opportunity right now to be part of a team uh, and get to represent your country, right? Um, and I think that's a big thing. You know, Canada especially, uh, representing your country in any international games. I know there's been a lot of European countries that have really thought of it more importantly, but when it comes to the actual Olympics, maybe over the world championships, those individuals, especially that haven't had the opportunity or are sort of in the prime of their careers, they're really looking at this maybe like this might be their one shot. So they're almost like thinking that, you know, here's my opportunity. I don't know what's going to happen in four years. Uh, so I want to I want to be part of this. So I'll take whatever consequences necessary. Uh, the only worry that I have on the other end of it is is it turns into, you don't want to say the world championships are a little, are more inferior than the Olympics, but if certain players are going to start pulling out of the Olympics and you have sort of a more watered down model, is it really what we're looking at when you're allowing pros into the event over the amateurs? So it's, it's back and forth. You know, you have those individuals in past like in Ovechkin that would say, I'll take whatever punishment possible. I'll be part of the Olympics. But I even know like Eric Carlson the other day actually said, you know, that he probably wouldn't be there or talking about like an Alex Peter Angelo who has four young kids and he doesn't want to spend so much time away from his family. So I think that family portion and having to uh, isolate for a long period of time, that that takes effect over some of the players that maybe have been there, have participated already. I was actually curious about something else too, because I know if like if players pull out, are they just replacing them with other NHLers? Like the roster is going to be fluid. I haven't looked into that part yet. Cause I, you know, before I just assumed, you know, they're going to name the team and everyone's gonna be like, Oh my God, I made team Canada and kind of go over there. But like, for example, if like someone's on the team, does like, I don't know, another player who is not in contention able to take their spot or are they like replacing them with like Spengler cup players or something? Cause it's going to be so last minute. I haven't really checked that aspect of it out yet. I'm kind of curious. Like an Owen Power, somebody just jumps the line and yeah, someone not the NHL. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like was gonna be like, oh, you know, what's his name? John Tavares said no. Let's get Bo, Bo Horvat or like Claude Giroux on the team or like someone who's like not there yeah. now, but like it's not like a bad player who's like you know someone who's actually yeah. able to be on the team. Are they just gonna say, oh, you dropped out last minute? Okay, Jordan Wheel, go step up and play with uh, you know, yeah. Bergeron, Brad Marchand on the power play. <laughs> I don't know what that's gonna be like, but it's I don't know if it's gonna be yeah. something like that where it's like last minute placements from outside the NHL or they just got they have like like a, a Wojtek Polski or something <laughs> yeah like a power ranking of like guys who kind of jump in I'm, I'm, I gotta look into that more that'd be interesting like uh you know having like a line with like you know like McDavid uh McKinnon and uh you know um Eric Stahl or something <laughs> well uh, from what I understand is that it was going to be uh players uh who are playing in Europe or AHL players that uh it was if the NHL talent wasn't uh, and like obviously the uh, the the first the uh, cream of the crop NHL players wasn't going to play. I, I don't believe that they're going to open it up to uh, second and third line players uh, to replace them. I 
It is an interesting uh, concept. I mean, these... more, to be honest with you, that'd be far more compelling. It, it won't be a best on best anymore, but it'd be kind of hilarious to watch. <laughs> I don't know. But, but you, know, you know, you get a you get a B type goalie going in there too, right? You know, some countries that don't have the top tier goalies, and all of a sudden you get some B B range goalie that comes in and steals the show, right? <laughs> well, you know, Rob, I don't I don't know how much you would remember Lillehammer '94. That was the last time that uh, NHL participation did not take part in the Olympics. I mean, aside from PyeongChang, but. Since Pyeongchang happened, I didn't really mind that men's tournament. I mean, yeah, sure, they didn't have the recognizable names, but to me, hockey is hockey. And uh, you know, I, you had uh, a surprise, uh, a surprise uh, gold medal finalist in, uh, in Germany. To me, it uh, it didn't have the recognizable marquee players, but it had a new uh, participant in the dance. It had uh, yeah. you know a Cinderella team and so on. I mean, was it really that bad the Pyeongchang tournament? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Like, but the reality is, is you know, we look at any Olympics. A lot of the Olympians that we see in events, like I'll watch a speed skating event. I don't really know a lot of the participants, but it's just the actual competition that makes it interesting. So, like a game, a match of hockey, you get two countries. If you get a good game of hockey, at at times, it's almost it's better because they're playing more for the love of the game than for various other reasons. Yeah. I think if there's not NHL players, though, I'm not going to lie. My interest level will completely drop and I would rather watch sports that I'm not accustomed to watching. If that were the case. Cause like if it's, if I know it's not a best on best hockey tournament, I know every other single sport that's there is the best on best. Like it's going to be the best, you know, skaters, the best skiers, the best, you name it. And yeah. not, not that, that that shifts the focus away, but like, I think not that it steals the rest of the Olympics thunder, but when it's a best on best hockey tournament, like that's a huge thing. Like not that it overshadowed like the Olympics here in 2010 or it overshadowed uh, the Olympics after that. But like, those were, those were crazy tournaments with like a lot of good talent. And it, not, I don't know, again, I don't know if it's overshadowing it or not, but it, it really does pique the interest when you have like these essentially super teams, like, competing against each other or at least a couple super teams. Like, I, I don't know, maybe some of the European teams aren't really super teams, but they're pretty close to a lot of them, I would say. Yeah. But, you know, uh, thinking of Sochi, I thought Sochi was kind of anticlimactic. I mean, it would have been great if Russia had uh, uh, a stronger showing uh, would have been cool to see Ovechkin, uh, you know, win a gold medal in his home country. That did not happen. I mean, Sochi was, I think that's like just Canada so, was so dominant in it. They were too good. I don't think a better hockey team has ever been assembled than that. Like they did, we're going to win two, one or two, nothing or three, nothing, or, you know, keep it close. Don't like keep it respectful. And nothing was, there were never in danger at one point. Like I watched almost every game in that tournament and I never watched it. I'm like, Oh, Canada's on the rails. You're like two minutes into the gold. Yeah. Medal game, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is a win. Like it's, it was not that it wasn't compelling. I'm like, it's crazy watching that level of talent put together, but that was probably the greatest hockey team ever assembled in terms of just shutting it down and letting absolutely nothing happen. I was, it was nuts. Like I was like, wow, and then, really and then from Russia's angle, from Russia's angle, it's almost unfair because you make those comparisons. Like why didn't Ovechkin lead his team? the bottom six forwards were non-NHLers virtually, right? So, like, the depth that a team like Russia had compared to a Canada team was not there. So it was almost unfair from that, that standpoint. So it wasn't like your 
typical like Canada Russia matchup when they played because like it was just Canada's going to win this game. <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the one thing that really sticks out at me, guys, is that there has not been a consistent international hockey tournament, men's hockey tournament in North America, uh, really for uh, all these years. Uh, you know, you look, take a look at the last World Cup. Last World Cup was in 2016. The one before that was in 2004. Uh, the one before that was in 96. So you have a span of five years uh, currently with no uh, possibility, with no uh, planning, reported planning of a next World Cup. So you go from five years currently to 12 years before that to five years before that. The Canada Cup was kind of consistent, but I'm wondering if there was a consistent World Cup of hockey that the Olympics would not be as desired amongst players. Is Am I far off in thinking that way? No, I agree completely. <laughs> like, I, I agree completely on that one. I think all they're looking for is consistency to create prestige. And if it, th- there has to be a brand, is the prestige brand Olympics or is the prestige band World Cup? And do they, they need to kind of pick one? I mean, I know Europeans like love the Olympics, but I'm sure if the prestige was in a World Cup, they'd care about that. And it, it'd be, they'd move on and say, yep, we want gold for our, whatever gold for our country kind of meets, I think. And then, and then in terms of the time of year, you know, you have an Olympic shutdown in the middle of the season um, compared to, say, you have a preseason uh, World Cup when you have the timelines. You know, it's a much different uh, scenario in terms of preparation. Obviously, players are more prepared and more in shape. You know, they don't take off the two, three months. Uh, break as much you know you might take four weeks off and then get back into training uh, but like in the middle of the season you know you have that prestige but you also have that possibility of injury and then even look at a year like this year the kind of factors that go into effect that affect the team so I think if you could get back to that consistency of a tournament especially at a different time of year where it doesn't have a great effect necessarily on what's going on in the season um that would be really good from, from that angle. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm one of those older ones that I remember the 1987 Canada cup. Right. So Larry Murphy's still waiting for his pass, but you know, Gretzky <laughs> knew what the view was, right. You know, he's still, he's still looking for that pass. And, you know, uh, those kind of times are, are in the past, but it would be great to get some of those kinds of memories back because to me, those were almost better games than the Olympic games. Well, and, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more with the fact that uh, those uh, summer hockey games and those big uh, matches uh, with Lemieux and Gretzky uh, being on the same uh, side. And, uh, you know, I could definitely remember uh, 87 and just the uh, the prestige of that Canada Cup uh, and to have a summer consistent summer tournament uh, to uh, uh, as a preamble to the upcoming NHL season, I thought was just uh, fantastic. Uh, but uh, guys, getting uh, back to uh, the Olympics, specifically uh, to that particular part of the world in China, uh, the Women's Tennis Association uh, made a really bold move and they decided to postpone all of their events, which is as many as 10 events in China in light of uh, the incident involving tennis player Peng Shuai. Uh, She had uh, made a series of accusations of sexual assault towards a uh, Chinese foreign minister. 
and had disappeared uh, as many as, as long as I believe it's been two months now. Um, are you surprised, uh, Rob? We'll uh, we'll start with you. Uh, are are you kind of uh, thinking that more sports will follow suit this bold stance that the WTA uh, took? I think they should. I mean, more sports should follow that kind of stance. Like, I I don't know what the price is in terms of worth staying and paying for sort of China to have like their revenue. And everyone's like, yeah, it's a huge lucrative market and all that. But if it's going to come at a cost of like your stars and your talents, like being disappeared, I don't know if that's a road you kind of want to go down. Like this kind of, like, you know, you see all these leagues sort of putting on a show with how like, you know, global and diverse they want to be and that they're growing the game and all these, these sort of things. But there's a certain amount of, you know, trepidation in that. And where, where do you draw the line when, when things like this can be on the table, especially if, you know, events are kind of going to happen there and like, you know, your star talent can be sort of uh, disappeared. I, I kind of applaud what the WTA did. That's, I, I think that's pretty good. Also, I saw today that apparently yep. the, there were, she made a statement that the sexual assault allegations have been quoted like air quotes, I guess, overblown and that her yep. statement that was misunderstood that she didn't make the accusation. Um, that means nothing because I, I was following when the exact same thing happened to Jack Ma, who's the CEO of Alibaba, who criticized the government and then disappeared for a couple months. And then said the whole thing was overblown after he came out of hiding. So this is, yeah. this is pretty standard par for the course, you yeah. know, it's following a trend that we've seen before. I don't know how many more yeah. times it's going to happen, but I, I think what they did was sort of the right thing and sort of pulling out their, their stuff there. More revenue is great. I don't think this is a price on a road that you want to go down. So I, I think yeah. they kind of make the right move. And if more sports do it, then I think that's probably the right move. Yeah. And I saw this, I saw the same headline, right? Cause the headline was today, you know, she retracts the headline said she retracted her statements. Um, and the reality is when you have such uncertainty uh, and you don't know, number one, like where the person is and what's going on behind it and the truth behind it, uh, it's hard for even other players. Like you look a lot of like the famous players, like a Serena Williams, for example, speaking out. Osaka spoke out as well, like basically saying, like, how could we be going there? If we have no idea, number one, her whereabouts and number one, you know, whether it's a safe situation. So, you know, the dynamics behind it that lead us into that angle with sports, even when we're talking about the Olympics, whether it's about politics, you know, whether it's about the economics behind it or, you know, what are the factors that go into having this? So I think it was a really strong statement um, for the Women's Tennis Association to like stand together. Uh, for their participants and for uh, paying especially because it ensured the fact, you know, we're on her side. We want to make sure that we're standing unified here um, and making people aware that it's not acceptable uh, to go somewhere where there's uncertainty, even though there is a possibly the lucrative market, like you said, Rob. Well, it, the thing that really uh, stands out to me, guys, was that a, a stance of this magnitude once again happened in women's sports. And it, you take a look at the certain stances uh, over the past few years. Uh, I remember uh, with uh, the uh, uh, 2016 
real Olympics where Zika virus was such a huge thing. And a number of the uh, uh, PGA golfers uh, didn't want to participate in the golf tournament in Rio because of the fear of catching Zika. However, the LPGA uh, participation was uh, quite strong. You think of the WNBA and the Atlanta Dream, where they made such a bold stance in supporting the Democratic candidate, uh, despite the fact that their owner was the uh, incumbent, the Republican uh, not, uh, uh, incumbent who uh, had uh, some very questionable uh, uh, social uh, stances. And like a lot of people don't want to see um, politics mixed with sports, but do you think that this is something that, albeit accidentally maybe, that they are uh, bringing more recognition to their various sports? I think they are bringing more recognition, but it's a kind of a murky situation sometimes because, you know, if you're going to like step on people's toes or like upset the wrong people, that has like financial ramifications and it's a tough sort of pill to swallow sometimes. And that's maybe why, you know, you might see it more on the women's side because they, they, they need, you know, the, the exposure and they, they need to, you know, they're, they're very much more in their growth period than they are in their like, you know, like the NBA, the NHL, like they're, sure they are growing quote unquote but they've you know they're kind of critical mass they're they're a bit bigger they're, they're not like in a larger period of growth so anything that might slow them down might you know be an issue or they might see it differently or, or something like that so i think it's it's the costs are are sort of tough to gauge in that sense and when it comes to politics you know it, it's it, it's hard for people or organizations sometimes to like go slow react slow act slow it's you know instant response you got to get on something right away do you support are you against it and then the reaction and the fallout from that can possibly be uh you know sort of the the problem or, or where the the ramifications start to kind of take place so it's a really tough to gauge i think it almost depends on the issue sometimes or the team or the sport it's it's, it's so particular it's kind of hard to keep track of that I, th I think also from the women's sports angle, you know, men in a lot of instances, especially uh, in various sports, men have a lot of high stature and the women took for a long time to get more equality uh, and fairness come across all the sports. So like you said, you know, you're getting to that point where you're getting the exposure and women's sports has really been increased for a while that it's women are going to be standing unified to not only uh, support other people in the sport, but also support their growth and ensure the fact that they uh, get to where they've worked so hard to get to. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's uh, been uh, quite uh, an interesting, obviously, uh, since the pandemic started, you think of uh, the uh, stances of uh, both leagues uh, with regards to uh, Black Lives Matter and the like. And, um, who knows what will happen, uh, especially uh, with the upcoming, uh, well, midterms uh, in the United States. Uh, is there, there going to be more uh, political stances uh, within the uh, sporting world? That uh, remains to be seen. But uh, on to more uh, traditional uh, storylines, guys, uh, closer to home. Uh, some surprising moves, uh, uh, some surprising news, excuse me, out of Winnipeg, where Paul Maurice has decided to step down as coach of the Jets. Uh, Rob, uh, 
how surprised were you uh, to, to hear this news? Completely unexpected. I mean, he's one of like the largest, I don't know where he is all time on like games coach, but I know he's like, I think he's like top five already. And he's not that old of a guy. So you just kind of think, Oh yeah, Paul Maurice, he's always coaching, you know, like you don't really expect him to see like, Oh yeah, he's stepping down. Now his whole like stepping down, quit, whatever words you want to use. I think that was probably an ultimatum of like, we're going to fire you anyway. And we're going to give you some respect. Maybe they just kind of want to change the direction of the team. And it's not often you see a departing coach then hold a press conference and say a new voice is needed for the team. That's not like, like I don't, like that, that may have happened a couple of times in the past. It's just, it's not a frequent thing that you see. And that might speak to the situation of just them needing new management or, or needing new, not necessarily management, just coaching and direction. I mean, the Jets are a good team. They've been good for a couple of years. They just, they can't seem to get it done in the playoffs. Like things go wrong. Like I, you know, last year watching what happened with them against the Montreal Canadiens, I, I could not have been more surprised after what they did to Edmonton before that too. I'm like, Oh wow, this is legit. And then, I was like, oh, wait, never mind. What the, what the heck is going on here? But um, I think they have the parts of a good team. I think they, they make great transactions to make their team better for a very unappealing market, probably for a lot of, uh, in terms of the NHL, the, you know, if you want to call it a cold tax or a Canada tax or a, a whatever, like it's not probably the most appealing market for NHL players. And they, they kind of are in it at all times, but just the uh, him stepping down and the, the quickness and surprisingness of it was, was uh, pretty strong. I wasn't really expecting it to happen. Yeah, I think also looking at a coach like Paul Maurice. Now, going back to that, I know maybe as a Habs fan, you may not have thought. Oh, sorry. I knew hands down. Sorry, Chris, you're uh, kind of having some audio. Sorry, Chris, you're having, uh, Chris, can you hear me? You can hear me now, Randy? Yeah, we got you. We got you. Sorry about that, Randy. Yeah, no, I was talking good. about, yeah, and I was talking about the whole basis with the Jets. I, I don't know if you hear, heard the part I was discussing about, you know, them getting through and they had the Shifley issue uh, with the suspension. So it sort of got in their way. But this is sort of a Paul Maurice situation in a way. He got to the finals with a Carolina Hurricanes team that probably wasn't as talented. Um, and if you remember back when he coached the Leafs, I remember the last year where he stepped down. As a Leafs fan, I was almost disappointed because you were thinking they get a higher pick and they brought in Ron Wilson and immediately it prevented them from being one of the worst teams in the league because he fight hard every game. And, you know, they might win two, one or three, two. I still remember Paul Maurice saying that that team, the Leafs he coached was the most talented team he ever coached and ever made the playoffs. So I think when he made the press conference about, you know, they need a new voice. I think that pretty much is where it was at. Uh, he got to that point where regardless of talent, he needed a new voice in there and he was being honest about it. Well, it's, it seems kind of ironic that it seems to be a trend of uh, coaches resigning as opposed to being fired. Like, I, I don't know if this is a coincidence. I mean, yeah, Urban Meyer, he was shown the door and they turfed him and it was pretty obvious that they did fire him. But a lot of these uh, coaching tenures uh, tend to uh, 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 project that they are they mutually parted ways middle through the season. I, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if we're going to see more of this in times to come. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's a respect thing or what's going on. Like, if it's like a settlement of like the payout of their contract, I don't know if there's like some like weird like legal behind the scenes reasons that we're not sort of privy to in that. It is curious though, because also you only really see it with like good tenured established coaches. Like, you don't see this with some guy who was coaching in the OHL and had a bad year in the NHL and then they get the can, like, or, or some like new coach. It's it's established people. I mean, minus Urban Meyer, but that's a completely different topic. And I could, that, that would, that, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> But uh, he kind of he kind of prevented any way of it being sort of on a something that was put under the under the sheets. You know, he kind of made a lot of it. things public, right? Yeah. So he, <laughs> you're, you're had no other way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, it's uh, getting to that time that we uh, should uh, uh, bid adieu. But uh, there's one uh, quick uh, segment that I do like to take part in. Uh, that is a uh, big deal or no big deal. So basically it's a small rapid fire segment that I'm going to pose a question to you and you guys are going to tell me if the following is a big deal or no big deal. So Chris, uh, Kyle Lowry definitely made a mark in the city of Toronto. Uh, he is now in Miami and of course uh, signed a three-year contract with the Heat. He did say uh, a few weeks ago that he will retire as a Toronto Raptor, signing a one-day contract, that being his final contract of his uh, championship-winning career. Uh, with Kyle Lowry signing a one-day contract, ending his career as a Toronto Raptor, Chris, is that a big deal or no big deal? 100% big deal. Kyle Lowry was one of those players – you know, with the Raptors for so many years, and he went through ups and downs. Uh, he fought through it the number of times. He was either traded and it was pulled back or things went on. He finally got sort of over the mountain there, won a championship with them, uh, even in that game six, which just lights out to start the game, you know. So he helped them get over the mountain. Uh, absolutely big deal uh, because he wants to return. He knows that this was the team that, he was part of his part of his championship team, and this is the team he wants to leave his career as. Rob, how about you? I don't like these symbolic contracts. I think they're kind of ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if it's like an inferiority complex thing we have in Toronto, where it's like, oh, he was he liked us and he didn't abandon us. And he was a step <laughs> in the right direction. No big deal for me. I think I think if the body of your work speaks to your career and there's not a single Raptors fan who doesn't think he wasn't important. So if it makes him and the fan base happy though, then it's okay. <laughs> well, you know, you have to wonder, uh, uh is, uh, Springfield going to be knocking on his door with the, uh, six times as an NBA all-star with a championship. You have to think that he is uh, going to uh, make his way to the hall of fame. So, uh, to see yeah, yeah, for sure. That would be amazing. So uh, next up, guys, uh, it seems like forever ago, but uh, two fans uh, at an Indiana Pacers game were uh, ejected after some uh, harsh comments made during the game against Lakers legend LeBron James. Uh, there was a, uh, a, me uh, a meme of uh, it was both a young man and a young woman who were ejected. The uh, female uh, fan uh, had a pouty lip and uh, was uh, seemed to be mucking it up for the uh, the cameras there. Uh, 
Yeah, Chris, you know, this whole issue with those two fans, uh, uh, with some rather harsh comments towards, uh, let alone LeBron James, but just players in general, the whole aspect, is that a big deal or no big deal? Uh, you're talking about LeBron James, so it sort of leaves a different angle there as well. You know, like, to me, it's not a big deal. Uh, in terms of comments made, uh, you know, we are in a game where you have fans that are going to be involved. You know, they are going to want to speak their mind. Uh, I also, in situation involved LeBron James, to me, are a little bit more for me to, difficult for me to talk about because I've looked at it from a positive and negative way. Because, you know, he has a lot to say when he shouldn't even be talking to begin with sometimes. So that's just my stance. To me, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, for me, I think uh, no big deal. I think fans get thrown out all the time. Like, uh, I, like I met, I've seen like a bunch of times in Philadelphia. Now I know they're, they're a little crazy there. Like people getting thrown out. There was like that Russell Westbrook incident a couple of years ago. Unless it's what they're saying is is so bad. Like I don't remember what what these two said. Like I, I I didn't look. I don't remember the context of what they said. But if it was if it's really really bad, I mean, yeah, I guess they gotta go. But people do crazy things, and I, I mean, base, like in, in baseball, people get ejected for just like you know touching the ball when they're not supposed to. Like if it's rolling up to the side, like there's like a, like that's that, that's a sport where like they have like a system for throwing people out. So I mean, if you're comparing it to them, it's like they have like rules in the NBA. There kind of isn't. It's I guess it's just discretionary, and that's why maybe it was a bit controversial, but. No big deal. I've seen a bunch of crazy fans in the NBA get thrown out because they were like, you know, verbally <laughs> abusing players or whatever they're doing. Uh, so I don't think no, no big deal, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of intrigued about it, the whole thing, because as uh, you know, you think about uh, whether it be uh, mental illness and just like the the uh, the uh, respect of uh, one person to another that I mean, comments, derogatory comments were made and it was commonplace back 50, 60 years ago, maybe even as recent as 10 years ago. And there seems to be a culture of, uh, you know, identifying harsh, negative comments like that. And it really uh, kind of stuck out to me more so in that, yeah, sure, these uh, people are making millions and millions of dollars, but is it uh, is it more of a need to identify where that line is and not cross it anymore? So, uh, I mean, hey, uh, LeBron James, he obviously is very vocal on certain um, political uh, uh, movements. And uh, I, I guess that is uh, he does expose himself to that kind of criticism. But uh, finally, guys, uh, former NBA champion Iman Shumpert has uh, uh, left uh, the game of basketball and it was a recent winner of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, uh, to me, it was kind of uh, intriguing that uh, an athlete is able to uh, transform himself and to do something uh, uh, like compete in something completely out of uh, uh, what he was most of, uh, he or she was most famous for. Um, Chris, Iman Shumpert winning Dancing with the Stars. Is that a big deal or no big deal? To me, it's not a big deal, but it might be a big deal to Iman Shumpert. Uh, you know, <laughs> when we talk about uh, a player leaving the game, you know, being versatile is is great. But, you know, I'm pretty sure many years back, Emmett Smith was on, on Dancing with the Stars. He did a great job also. Uh, didn't we have um, 
trying to remember was it was it Ocho Sanko that was on was on there as well. There was many stars. Jerry Jerry Rice was on it. Uh, yeah. Monica Sellis Jerry was on Rice. It. Yeah. So I think from a standpoint for him to win, you know, that's fantastic that he uh, was able to do that. But I also think uh, him winning means he's trying to remain relevant in his retirement year. So it could be important for him. So, uh, hey, Rob, do you think uh, Battle with the Blades is going to come back and maybe uh, uh, we're going to see a couple of uh, former Stanley Cup champions uh, being uh, top figure skaters at some point? I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, totally possible. Um, I actually have an insider on that, that show. So I, if that happens, maybe I'll let you know. I know someone who does the physio for the people on that show. So if that happens, I, I could be, uh, I could be uh, the, uh, the, the Battle of the Blades insider for you potentially. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe but yeah no um i'd say probably uh no big deal to the original question i'm not surprised that amon shumpert is more athletic than jojo siwa so like that's uh not really the biggest surprise in the world he's kind of uh you know an nba he he won a championship right yeah he won with yeah. the um cavaliers I what he won for with the cavaliers Cavs, yeah. right yeah so yeah. he's he's a champion he's a super athlete he could he could change himself up and dance and you know good for him that's it's it's a it's a nice story <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, guys, uh, this is obviously a, an audio format. And, uh, you know, Rob inspired me to get my Christmas uh, gear on. Uh, Chris is uh, sorry. Rob is wearing a very festive uh, green and red uh, sport jacket there. I have my uh, Toronto Raptors uh, Christmas sweater on. Uh, Chris is uh, uh, doing some errands with family, and uh, now he's got some sort of toque. I don't know if that's supposed to symbolize a reindeer or something, but uh, uh, guys, uh, at this time of the year, uh, with uh, all these uh, obligations that you guys uh, do have to uh, set aside some time for me on this podcast, really, really grateful. Uh, I really hope that you and yours have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Uh, Good luck to not only the fantasy hockey league, but to uh, 2022 and really hope that we could do this again. Thanks a lot, Randy. Really appreciate Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas to you as well, Rob. All the best. Thanks, gents. Thank you, Randy, for having me back. Nice talking to you, Chris. And uh, yeah, thank you for having us back, Randy. This is lovely. That is a fellow fantasy hockey league adversaries, Chris Caribs and Rob Iacobucci. For Chris and Rob, I am Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast uh, at What's Up Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we will talk to you next time.